you know, we don't always have to say a funny thing here. We don't? I thought no. we did. I thought that was the rule. People come here for the games. And that's why I'd like to announce my new tagline for the besties, for the gamers. <laughs> um, we get a lot of comments saying, like, this joke didn't work, gang, or please stop talking about eggs so mm. much. Uh, yeah. uh, just do it for the gamers. Yeah. And so I'm proud to announce today's episode will be a very sort of straightforward, pared down affair. Um, yeah. I'll begin with this. Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble has 13 levels. <laughs> the graphics are good. How many and weapons are there? There are five weapons. Okay. <laughs> One is your mind. One is Three no, or even nope. See right now, Juice, what you're doing. Yes. Okay, it's yeah, not for the gamers. That Do you understand? Like, yeah, it's just they want to know. So, like this, knock knock. Who's there? Gamers. Already bad, but go ahead. Who gamers? Who for the gamers? <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not practical. It's got to be. No. It's got, tweak, they just want to know the bullet points, y'all. Can I tweak your tagline to make it the besties, a declaration of independence for we the gamers? That's so that, cool. I feel like it's like us saying it's just about games. Keep politics out of it. Well, yeah. hold on. Can, wait, no, wait, wait, hold wait, wait, on. wait, 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 wait. Can I, can I just say that we're leaving money on the table here? Keep it simple, stupid. Besties for gamers for the gamers. That's too confusing because what you've done there, it's so funny, Chris, is not for the gamers. Yeah. By, by making it cute like that, it's not for the gamers anymore. What if I put it's, a Z on it? What? It, how many what pixels if, are in this game, Griffin? That's the serious question that people want to know. How many? Exactly how many? 1,228. Okay. So at least the gamers have that. And, and gamers where know can they that go from that here? should be it. it. It the tagline should be besties for the gamers. Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble has one thousand two hundred twenty eight pixels and thirteen levels. There's five for guns, and here's how to get all of them. I'm sorry, are we, are we still in the tagline? Yes. So the tagline is it's not. It's <laughs> for the. It's for not. It's not for new gamers. It's for old gamers or the four. That's gamers. good. That's a great for, addendum. It, it's for the four games. So it's f, f, yeah four gamers. So. For the four gamers, like the for, original four gamers, for are the we Thomas four Edison, yeah, yeah, our predecessors, the four gamers, oh, right? Yeah. So it's for the four gamers, four, and the, it, it's all golf games. Oh for the God. four gamers, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, it should be for the four four gamers, like four F O R E for the the original four gamers. Steve Wozniak, Ralph Bear. <laughs> Thomas Edison. Ralph Ralph Thomas Machio. Edison and the kid from The Wizard. That's <laughs> it. Four gamers. You can go to South Dakota and you see their heads right in the wall. <laughs> and they're actual heads. They've been lopped heads. off. <laughs> Thank you for your sacrifice, four gamers. is just McRoy and I know the best game in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> my, my name is Kevin McRoy and I also played Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant and I have memories about this game that do not align with my current experience of it. That's it. Mm-hmm.
My name is Russ Froschick, and I know the best game of the week. Uh, welcome to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It's a video game club for the four gamers. Four, and just by listening, you are uh, a member of this club. Today, we're going to be talking... I want to be specific about something. Today, we're talking about a game called uh, Metal Gear Solid. Or... That's it. Or... No, not No, or. there's two titles. Two titles. Okay. You question, Chris uh-huh. Plant? Two titles. Nihon Jindeska? Uh, hi. <laughs> EA, EA. America Jindes. America Jindes. Okay. Oh, oh, you're not, you're not Japanese. Oh, you said Nihon Jin, not Nihon Go. <laughs> no, I'm not Nihon Jin. No, no, no you're not. You're not. America Jindes. You're, you're not Japanese. You. This game is not called Metal Gear Ghost uh, Battle. Yeah, it's called you, Mer- Go- Metal Gear Solid. Game Boy uh, Color. Game Boy Color. Igarisu Jindeska. No. This is giving me. Actually- Are you ready? Are you ready? It, here it is. Here it is. It's it, in Europe, which this game was designed for. It was the uh, priority market. It was called okay. Metal Gear Ghost Babble. And Metal Gear Solid, the Game Boy Color version, it was such a. a uh, the not priority for this development team that they didn't even include all of the game in it. Oh, did you know that? Did you know that, Justin? Oh, we're getting so away, way facts. ahead of ourselves. Hey, Are here's we? what the it game is. Like he's just talking about the production of the game. It's here, all, it's, here, here, here's what the game is. People don't even know what it is. Here's what it is. Metal Gear Solid for the Game Boy Color, a.k.a. Metal Gear Ghost Babble, is a mix of the original Metal Gear games that preceded Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid, which preceded this by like a year or so, mm-hmm. thrown, stuffed, crammed, into the Game Boy Color for better and for worse, and we're going to talk about two, it. Two megabytes. That's how we're going to talk about it because it's cheap. right after this break. This episode of the Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Was metal? Was they call it Ghost Babble? Because GB? Because yep, GB? They, yeah, that's exactly 100%. right. Hideo Kojima even said yes to that in an interview. <laughs> yeah, I've I've played like six or seven chapters of this game, and I don't know that Ghost Babble is a 
term that has come up organically. Maybe I maybe. When I was the last time a, a term came up organically in a Hideo Kojima game? Well, yeah, I mean, you really do eat snakes. Yeah, you pretty do. frequently. <laughs> That's true. I That's do think true. they say, "Wow, damn, damn snake, you really are a big snake eater, huh?" So I think so, that that one works. I mean, the, if you if you're completely unfamiliar, I think the best way of understanding this is if you look at like the original Metal Gear uh, for the NES, the way that looked, the way that was presented, a lot of it, the way it played, and you sort of just blended it up with aesthetics and narrative. From it looks like uh, from the, the, you know the PlayStation version, it looks like almost it almost feels like a a, a demake or something like that. Yeah, that's how I yeah. felt too. Yeah. yeah, if someone was tasked with like playing through the PlayStation version of Metal Gear Solid, and then they were like, "How do we fit this into two megabytes?" Right, and into a Game Boy Color, and that's exactly what this feels like. And honestly, in a lot of ways, the gameplay is actually kind of better yes. than the playstation version because they in certain ways yes in certain say. ways there are yes. like first of all you could see where you're shooting and looking a like and where enemies are yeah so there are actually improvements to it but i would also say there are also detractors to being jammed into two megabytes which we'll certainly talk about but i would say like from a sheer accomplishment standpoint it's pretty fucking impressive. Like, I, I will yeah, say I, I, I will grant you that. I love this era of games specifically. I feel like it, in the Game Boy Color era is where developers started to get a little bit more ambitious with what they tried to port over to to this platform. Uh, game Boy, you saw some of this, right? Like the shit that pops to mind is like uh, Oddworld. There was yeah. a Game Boy Oddworld game that was, I, I mean, I think a fairly um, faithful if not terrible recreation of it right uh this this one i think they did a decent job with considering the the you know spectacle of the original functional yeah perfectly yeah it's like it it, uh, considering what the brief was i think they they achieved they they crushed it and approaching a genre that that no one had really done on the game boy or game boy color which is like a stealth action genre had like really hadn't happened also most Game Boy games suck. Like, they are a really unenjoyable, do not hold up well. Yeah, they yeah. just haven't um, aged And well. I, I, I think this game ages far better than most. And going back and playing this, I am both a little crushed because it is not what I remember. But yeah. I can see why I adored it because there's so much more going on here. And it's so much more interesting than 99% of Game Boy games. Interesting is yes. a great great term for this for what yes. this is um i okay I, from from a sort of historical standpoint i think it's a very cool game i did not like playing it with my hands and brain and eyes <laughs> um it's a more mechanical i think uh take on stealth where i think in metal gear uh solid the main line if if you um get trapped or stuck it can feel a lot more like a death sentence if you get caught or, yeah. or you know someone spies you um this almost has a little bit of a puzzle element where like enemy movements are very mechanical. If you get spotted, it's not a big deal to run back out of the room and back in. So like, which usually will kind of reset the, the, the warnings um, and to try like a different approach. Um, but it's much more like because of the graphics and the, the way it plays and the way it's laid out. It's like, it's fairly straightforward. I think that's true. Sometimes I will give this game a lot of credit for its, 
uh, AI for its like enemy AI because sometimes those motherfuckers will follow you uh, to the, to the death, which is not <laughs> technology that I thought uh, existed in the Game Boy era, where like you run off one screen to go hide in a truck. Sometimes they'll just follow you into that truck, and I, that's as as silly as that sounds. I thought for sure that that is not something that these uh, Game Boy you know enemies were going to be capable of. I also wanted to call out specifically the art design of the game, and this relates to the enemies as well. It's pretty astounding how much they were able to pull off in terms of the pixel art of this game. The resolution we joked about in the intro is 160 by 144 pixels, which is like, I don't know, man, a postage stamp on your modern monitor. Like, it's tiny. Yeah. But you can tell, like, kind of where a guard like when a guard is like whatever smoking a cigarette or looking the other way or you know tapping his foot and and the snake model in particular has just so much detail to it that really kind of blows any other like game boy color model out of the water in terms of how much variety you can get out of this model great there's they they recreate i mean to an extent that's kind of like all right they recreate a bit from Metal Gear Solid where Meryl is dressed up like a guard. They recreate that where we know, of course... Different character, but yeah. I, I'm saying the idea... Yes, the idea of... Yeah, uh, sure, a, sure, sure, a, sure, sure, sure. A woman he's trying to rescue dressing up like a guard. Uh, you'll remember in the in the last game, in Metal Gear Solid, the gimmick was her butt will wiggle. And from the way it jiggle, <laughs> from the way it moves. The way the butt jiggle. <laughs> the way the butt jiggle. You're, it's how you're, you solve the game puzzle. Yes, yeah. You solve it is checking for butt jiggle. This uh, Game Boy, they know there's like two pixels per butt. They know they're not going <laughs> to swing that. So just like, I, okay, I'm wearing a red hat and a ponytail. So just like, get at me. <laughs> get at me. I'm, I got a red blob on top and there's a brown blob behind my head. So get at me. That, that, that character's name, by the way, is Chris Jenner. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Sergeant Wild. Christine Jenner. Chris Wild Jenner. Tr- In fact, that it, it, he makes a deal out of it where she's like, I'm Christine Jenner and I'm here on assignment. And he's like, can I call you Chris? And she's like, that that feels unnecessary. Like, it feels like you're stretching to make this reference that it, I'm a person. Like, I'm a person. Was Chris Jenner like a known entity when this game came out? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Who the way. fucking knows? Um... It, it's, I think that this would have been a more fun game had it not been quite as direct of an adaptation. My mind goes to, uh, God, I forget who made it, but there was a 007 game that took a lot of the sort of concepts of, of Bond, but then did it in a almost like Link's Awakening style, uh, and that game is one of my. I have. I harbor a lot of fondness for that one. Although you know what, Griffin? I say all this shit. If I go back and play that shit now, it's. Probably I I not did great. that this week because oh, of you? this game, and I was like, "Now that was a game that got yeah. it." And I went back, <laughs> and I don't don't go back, my friend. Don't save save, save the, Sapphire. the joy. You're talking about the Sapphire Sapphire Game Boy game. It came out in 1997. Yeah. Or right, sorry, 98, and. Um, yeah, you could kind of like select like karate moves in on the A button and like just standard punches on the B button, and uh, there was like kind of an open world thing. There's but... RPG stuff where you have to go find people. It's but oh man, it, an it does not. It is it, it's from a different time. But but it is worth remembering like how 
well received this game, and myself included. Like I, I love this game as well. When it first came out, IGN gave it a ten out of ten. GameSpot gave it a nine point four out of ten. Uh, interestingly enough, Nintendo Power seven point eight out of ten. Wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, and Famitsu wow. also was not a big fan of this game. Thirty one out of forty, which is basically an F for Famitsu. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was incredibly well received. And again, I think it. You really have to put yourself in the mindset of what people thought a Game Boy Color game was capable of at the time, and the fact that this went so far beyond that. Yeah, with having like an actual narrative, pretty amazing pixel graphics and stuff like that, people overlook the fact that, yeah, the movement, you know, can be stilted and, you know, the AI has moments, but also can be pretty simplistic. Well, it's also a great reminder that, like, when you talk about reviews, it's always going to be subjective because it's always going to be viewed through the lens of what else is happening at that moment. Exactly. You, you look at the Game Boy Color as a platform in that moment. If you have to add the context of, well, you already have a Game Boy Color and, like presumably you want to play something on it this is one of the best available offerings for for that yeah it's so rare that any of these games have any sort of like long-term legs as plant was alluding to like i think there are maybe three or four game boy color slash game boy games that like you can play today and like oh probably more than that probably six or seven you know thinking kirby all the zelda ones sure yeah the zelda ones are pretty good although i would argue or silver wario land age well but Okay, yeah. so Some Dragon Warrior stuff. Just yeah. in terms of what's crammed into here, because I want to emphasize how big it is, there are 13 stages. So, like, 13 whole levels. And that's not like screens, they're like entire environments. They have like large of, open, open base areas. Yeah, yeah. There are four bosses. The other thing that did y'all dig into the VR training? Yes. I played so, a ton of this when it first came out, and I, I dipped a toe in as well. But there are how many missions in the VR 180. training? 180. Christ. Yeah, and, and many of them are from uh, Metal Gear Solid Integral or whatever that one's yeah. called. That um, was the PlayStation uh, like expansion pack to the original Metal Gear Solid that they converted into this game as like the actual yeah. missions, but using this game's engine, basically. And a versus mode. Oh, I didn't know there was a versus mode. Uh, in this? Yeah, apparently. Uh, but you have to have a link cable, so... You know, sure. Well, not for no, us. I mean, certainly, the IR port on the. I actually think Game Boy Color. Would if you're interested in playing this at all, I actually think the VR missions are maybe where you should go at least a little bit, just to like get your feet wet, because they do show off the gameplay in like really interesting ways, and you unlock way more of the like toolkits that you'll be messing with in the main game quicker, yeah. um, such that you can kind of like get a feel for what they're pulling off. Uh, um, I, I, yeah. I mentioned earlier the, uh, the full version of the game. We, we didn't get it. Uh, some stuff got cut just because things get cut while making the game. I found a, a interview uh, from Famitsu that uh, the Archhound on Tumblr translated. And Kojima said that uh, there was a point, or this is when it was in active development. If you clear stages once during the story mode, you can choose to replay that stage with a different objective. The way to defeat a boss or the number of enemy soldiers you encounter and such might be different, which is just, again, ridiculous that they were thinking that they could cram that into two megabytes or whatever the game. Yeah, that doesn't uh, feel unfinished to me. That feels like bonus content. Yeah, they just didn't do it. Yeah. But then here's the thing that is weirdly in the Japanese and the European version of the game, but not the American one, which I think has something to do with ROM size for um, English version or uh, American version to the games. Uh, there's a 13-part 
story, like right. radio play thing on your um, what's the the codec. walkie-talkie codec? The codec. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and each chapter is assigned to each level of the game. So you go into each level, you put one forty point zero seven into the thing, and you get the story of Idea Spy two point five a spy in new york and then this kojima liked this so much that uh he and the writer adapted it into an actual radio play in 2006 and now it's available on cd too and the entire script is on game facts so you can go and read it um that's fucking just like wild. deeply weird that they made this huge thing translated it to english and it's just not on Kojima our was version just of the thrilled game. for the opportunity to make anything that wasn't a video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any that, media. I think that's the crazy thing about this is like no part of this feels like punches pulled in terms of like Kojima shit. Like the Kojima shit is all in here from his writing style to like the, you know, geopolitical nonsense of his stories to like shit like the radio play to hiding in boxes to well, it's just like very true to him as a game, again, how does it age? Eh, not great, but like, I, honestly, a lot of his games don't age great, so that's yeah. pretty consistent. Yeah, too. And, and that's interesting considering he he didn't really make this game. Like, the game was made by a company called Tose, which it, yeah, was super interesting. They've been around since like 1979, are still open, and mostly are like the kind of secret developer on a ton of stuff that we've liked, like Splatoon, uh, Scarlet Nexus, like good stuff. Um, but yeah, they, they made it different writer, different everything. They just, as early on as that was in Kojima's career, you know, comparatively, he had still made plenty of stuff. It's wild how much, you know, his voice was established that they could go off of. Well, I would say it looks like Shinta Nojiri was the game director for this game who has essentially worked on all of the Metal Gear games since really this. Yeah. Um, and I think he has worked pretty directly with, Kojima, but oh, again, yeah. I would say, like, I, I agree with you. I think the the meat and potatoes of the actual beat-by-beat beat game stuff was probably done, yeah, by this external company. Uh, um. Anyway, hey, I, I'm, I'm a little crushed. This is the danger of going back home, you know? You can't go back home. Yeah, I, um, I, I think if I would go, were to go through my list of, like, must-play Game Boy Color games, like, games that I would want to play in my free time... This would no longer be in that list, even no. though it was previously. Also, it cost um, a ton if you want to go buy it. Like, a lot. Yeah, and money. probably won't be coming to uh, the uh, virtual console or whatever it's called on Switch anytime soon. On a totally unrelated note, um, I've recently spent some time with the Analog Pocket for the first time. Uh, I spent a considerable <laughs> amount of time with it. And wow, that thing's a humdinger. If I could just say, it's yes, a humdinger. Sir. You were using the original cart for this within that. I had how, the original. Right. This, so, yes. and that's wild. I don't know. What don't did know. you notice? Any aspects to it on there? No, screen? it just looks freaking great. It just looks great. It's a great screen. It just looks great. It looks great. You can save a state. You mess up. No problem. No problem. You know? Start that over. feels, that feels like cheats. Yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, it's cheating. But I didn't tell myself to play this old ass game. Russ did. So. It's yeah, kind of it's I do want to mention one more thing. It's incredibly funny to see Metal Gear Ghost Babble or Metal Gear Solid's like very serious cover art right next to the Game Boy Colors Comic Sans <laughs> multicolor yeah, yeah, kindergarten yeah. branding. <laughs> it doesn't weird. quite nail, but but that's okay. They yeah. made it work. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take a break. Yeah, let's do it, and we can talk stuff. about 
weird-ass game. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So when we were doing the most anticipated uh, for the, for this year, one of the one of mine, if memory serves, was this game called Atomic Heart that looked like a Bioshock, but if you swap in a lot of like Soviet Union iconography and ethos in places like the Randian philosophy and and stuff like that, um, and so I was very excited about it. And we it, and it released. Uh, we didn't get it early, so we were like, let's put it off for a week. Um, and I dipped in. Cause I thought, you know, maybe there's something, maybe there's something here. Reviews have been a little bit all over the place. Uh, and I hopped in and played like the first eh, hour or so. And I was blown away. It's, it was incredible. And I got on the call and I said, guys, we got, we got to talk about this game. It's fantastic. And Chris Plant's like, how much did you play? And it was, I told him an hour. He said, okay. So now I, that is my hot take on Atomic Heart. 
uh, after playing the first hour, game of the year, Chris Plant. Well, tell, <laughs> can, well, tell can me, you talk about me, what, what yeah, you Tell me more about that first hour. Tell me, yeah. tell me you're, you're what like, it was. You're, uh, it's, you're first person. You're kind of a meat-headed soldier type dude, but affable enough. Fuck you yeah. Know? No, but he's it's in a fun way. He's a, he's a fun. He seems like a fun guy. With a mysterious past. Yeah, like a mysterious past. Seems like a fun guy. Doesn't trust a lot of people. Doesn't trust the glove that talks to him, and it gives him uh uh stuff. But there's like um your the 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 aesthetics are like I said. It's sort of like I would say like neo Soviet, where it's like a lot of times that aesthetic is very much like associated with being like run down or dilapidated or what have you. This is like bright, shiny city of the future. A lot of robots. Stuff that, like, if they were, uh, like, Soviet propaganda would sort of portray. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Neo, like, like, futurism from the 40s, then gone into the 50s and 60s. So it's, like, set, I I think it's set during, like, early 60s? It looks. Late 50s? It looks incredible. Um, Yeah. There's, like, everywhere you look is truly, I mean, like, just beautiful to look at. This is a game that has a room that you walk into where the main character's like, I love coming in here every time. It's beautiful. And that's a pretty big called shot. And you look around, it's like, I get it. This is pretty amazing. And you're uh, sort of thrust pretty quickly into, robots are like a massive part of this world. And the sort of inciting event is uh, somebody hacks the robots and turns them all bad. And they're like basically the world is falling apart um, and you are just trying like scrambling to survive and make sense of what is happening. And that is like about as far as I got. Yeah, the the first hour is is literally Bioshock Infinite if you made it about Soviet era propaganda in in, in that you are quite literally in a giant city on the sky. Um, You have all this amazing technology that feels um, antithetical to the time you and then, unlike Bioshock Infinite, because again, it's a game in 2023, the scope is huge. So the first thing that you're doing is riding in like a a little, um, almost like a canoe, I guess, or a little boat in a canal, and you are seeing this this gorgeous town. And as it opens up, you see massive like streets, like highways, almost full of dozens, if not hundreds, of robots marching. The scale in this game is huge. I mean, giant ships are flying above you. Um, there are statues that are the size of like skyscrapers. There's a lot of it, cool it, panache too. Like you get a key to your to a car that's supposed to take you to your first location. Oh, yeah. You go out and use the key on the car, and then there's like uh, suddenly the car lifts into the air. Like it's a, like a you know fifties looking car. You sit in it, turn the ignition, and then the car f- like floats into the air, and it's being levitated through through the skies like it really out of nowhere and there's a lot of cool little little bits like that so is that literally where you stopped when no i got as far as like the robots uh i got an axe if, and, <laughs> okay and, like, so the you got to where like, the game starts yeah yeah i got to where like the actual you know combat and and things like that uh start i got into the little facility whatever you know. yeah so at, at first, it seems like it's going to be a good Bioshock game. Like, I mean, the question that Ken Levine always put forward for every Bioshock game was, there's no such thing as utopia. Somebody always has to clean the bathrooms. And this is like that extremely literal, as in you see robots cleaning the bathrooms in the streets from the, the very beginning. And it's like, well, 
they're not happy and satisfied. I wonder what they're going to do once they become sentient. Um, and that that is I what guess. happens. <laughs> I bet they fuck us up. They fuck us up. Um, uh, but then, then things, just like in the game, that things seem a little bit off, the rest of the game goes a little bit wrong. Um, that talking hand, it keeps talking to you and uh if you you thought forespoken was bad uh there there are multiple scenes where instead of walking to a room and going wow i'm you know it always touches me when i come here you walk into a room and say fuck me they're doing it again fuck me a bomb in here and the in the in the (laughs) hands like hey maybe chill out and it's like shut up hand don't fuck with me hand and then, uh, and then it gets worse and worse when that uh, transitions into full Duke Nukem talk, and you meet the um, the. Did you upgrade. say worse and worse or better and cooler? Yeah. Well, cooler. well, let me tell you. You can tell me how you think about this. Um, this you like you trap. meet a, a vending machine, uh, and this is where you upgrade your weapons and your and your your sci fi hand powers, right? Except for the vending machine is a lady, and she wants to sex you. Oh, cool. So every time you try to do any upgrade, she's like extremely horned up. She's like, you got to leave that hand. You got to let me fuck your brains out. And it's like, what? I'm just here to upgrade my axe. But I mean, does it it look like like just a regular vending machine? Yeah, it does. And it opens (laughs) up its guts and there's just meddling gears, except for it really wants to have sex. Uh, Really. Um... And then uh, all the levels are beautiful until you go into a factory, and the factory is a huge, you know, endless, endless rooms, including a room where they make the polymer, which is the central thing of the game. Um, and there's these pools where they're churning, uh, like churning the polymer. Right, massive room. There are four of them, and what do you got to do? You have to climb up to the ceiling and get on a rail car that moves at roughly one inch per minute. Um, and let it take you all the way around the entire giant room so that you can zap one by one each of the pools. But every time you do that, it releases flying robots that come at you and knock you off the thing. And if you fall off, you have to start the entire thing over again. Even if you electrocute all of them but one, you then have to go back in and just wait. I literally just put my controller down and like started surfing the internet Surfing the internet, you know, like a cool kid. Whoa, you're, sur- you're surfing the web, Holy man. Shit. I was surfing the web. I signed on to AOL.com. Main.com <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I had mail. Uh, um, you fell on my keyboard it was, and I can't get any of my sites. It is in, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's so crushing and infuriating because this world is so interesting and it, at times so beautifully designed. There is so much going on and the writing is just I mean, it, it went from cringe to just outright like disgusting and shitty. Um, then there, it, it, I haven't even gotten to the point that there's an open world at the end of all this. The way that you get to the open world is by doing multiple find key open door quote puzzles. Then you get out finally into the open world, and everywhere you go, there are alarm systems that anytime you're like, hey, this is a really beautiful world. It's like, yeah, but what if? Wherever you went, it triggered alarms that released more and more and more enemies um, and gave you like a heat level. And after you destroyed the alarms, more robots came and just rebuilt the alarms. Mm. So you could never just go in and enjoy it. It's I, 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 
I'm I don't know. Like I I I can't think of a game like this in a long time that so completely undercuts itself at every single turn. Every time I was like, whatever, I can put up with that bullshit. I'm really into this. Then it would do something else, and it'd be like, I see that you're having fun. What if we stopped that? I mean, it seems like, and and you know, big game development follows this route of you know large development teams. Uh, being specifically assigned, you know, art design or level design or gameplay design, whatever. It sounds to me, and you're talking about it, art designer through the roof, amazing, like fantastic. Yeah. And in terms of like, I don't know, cinematics, I guess, if you count those as like quasi interactive yeah. moments, very good. Corny vending machine designer, A, A plus. <laughs> great, great work. But it, but it does sound like from a, yeah, they just didn't know what the actual gameplay was. And it, they, um, or the and the writing just like maybe yeah, it didn't and, and, culturally and translate or something. The, I don't know. The gameplay can be interesting because again, it's very Bioshock. Like you're un- yeah. you're effectively unlocking these plasmids that let you um, zap things or freeze things or, or telekinesis. And you're and you're or, doing the things where it's like hack the robot to you know sneak past the guard kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, we haven't even gotten to the hacking mini games. I don't even uh, want to. Oh. It's it's not worth it. Um, Is it pipes? Is it like uh, there's, pipe oh dream? no? There's multiple hacking mini games, and fresh. You're gonna love them because oh, there, there's some move ball around oh, f- inside of thing fuck. puzzles. Um, I hate that, nothing more than the move ball inside of a wooden puzzle. Oh well, what if I told you there was a move ball in a giant 3D space, and you have to move it around while things try to kill you? I don't know. That sounds like monkey ball. I'm kind of into it. Uh, no, no, you are not the ball. You're doing it with your your physics hand. So it, uh, it is, it's like doing a puzzle in real life. It's like the worst Breath of the Wild <laughs> yes. puzzles. It's it is so weird. And and again, there are these little details. I mentioned like the the Bioshock com- combat. Justin, did you get to the point where you can just use your hand to empty any um, containers? No. It feels like Luigi's Mansion. You hold, instead of, like, to search um, trash cans and stuff, Bioshock style, you hold down the telic- uh, the hand power or whatever, and you just start, like, vacuuming up everything in the room. Like, all the, the I like uh, that. shelves fly open. That's good, though. That yeah, papers awesome. fly off the table. It's very, very clever and very fun. Um, it's too bad the rest of the game isn't that. Hmm. Well, bummer. Yeah, I mean, you should... Hey, it's getting very good reviews on um, on Steam, on like user reviews. So mm, it could yeah. just be that, you know, this is one of those classic cases of game critics play too many games and have less tolerance for this sort of bullshit. Um, it's also on Game Pass, which I didn't realize until this morning. So if you don't want to spend money and you subscribe to it, not to turn this into an ad for Game Pass, but that seems like a pretty good yeah, way to Yeah, just play the first hour. The first hour is cool is as just... hell. There's no combat. Um, anyway, I'm, I, I'm probably going to try to play. Why? <sighs> because I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like there must be more to... here. Play Metroid Prime, which you won't finish, but you should play more of that because that game is spectacular and I love it. Yeah. That's a better yeah. game. There are so many like very, very good procedural, like this format of, I mean, there aren't a ton, but certainly over the years, you know, both Dishonored games and, and uh, you know, Moon Crash, which I know you love. There's tons of great no, games I, like I this. agree. I just, I, I, I keep feeling like, hey, am I like not giving it a fair shake? Like it, there must be more. It, it has, Justin, here's why I think you might play some more. It has some real like, you know, like hurt little puppy-ness to it. Like, 
maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I look past enough of this, I can see the great game that it, that's just waiting around the corner. Life is a finite resource. That is yes. true. <laughs> then, well, we can't start fucking. Don't go down that path. That logic. Literally, we close this browser window and we never play a video we game again. Never play it again. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um. So, y'all been playing any other games? Uh, I have finished uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, wow. A turn-based RPG. Yeah, it, you know, once you start kind of moving at a clip through that game, it actually, it, you know, tra- tracks through pretty fast. It is not, uh, I don't know that it's as l- sort of long-winded as a, well, a Dragon Quest game, which is what it's sort of emulating, but I loved it. I could not get enough of it. Uh, it's really, it, it it does everything that like I enjoy about this series, but I have never stuck with it just because the gameplay never really did a whole lot for me. Uh, but, you know, making it into my favorite genre of video games, arguably, uh, fix, fix that problem, but good. Uh, it's just z- is zany, and the story is surprisingly like great, and the characters are all great, and I I just I just really really loved it. We we just talked about um like a dragon Ishin on Resties. Is that something you think you would try? No, definitely because no, it's not it's not that one's not turn based, right? Correct. Yeah, the next one that uh, I believe uh what's it called like a dragon Gaiden is the next one. Uh, my only temptation to like dive further into the series is to like really be able to get the like character cameos. A, a lot of characters from other Yakuza games show up in uh, in in this one. And so I'm sure that if you like know who, you know, Goro Majima is when that cameo happens, you get stoked out of your mind. But um I did not necessarily have that moment. Uh, yeah. But yeah, great, great game. I also didn't realize that a Destiny expansion is coming out in like a week, a, a pretty big one. Uh, and I saw a bunch of people talking about this dope cutscene at the end of the latest season. Uh, so I did back into Destiny 2 just oh to, just to uh, see, see how it would treat me. And um, the answer is... Is a, is a, there's so much shit, y'all. Does it make there's, sense? Did, they're adding. Say, just wait, just wait for the expansion when all that stuff will be. I honestly swept think that's bit of history. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I was nervous. I mean, when you talk about getting caught up with Destiny, there's either you know you're talking about story stuff, which is I mean better than it has been. Uh, or like, I gotta get this gun that everybody's gotta get this god mm-hmm. roll so I can be ready. I have I have tried and I think mostly succeeded uh, to like not get obsessive about that. Um, and I will say this to Destiny's credit, that game's pretty fun. Whenever you're just playing it, whenever you're not like <laughs> oh, yeah. fucking like uh, shooting into a cave to make rifles pop out. Yeah, when you're not shooting into a cave for four hours or, like, playing the same event over and over and over again because your Ostringer didn't get the god roll that you wanted. It's like, uh, <laughs> when you're not doing it that way, Destiny's really fun. It's a really fun game. And a lot of the stuff they're adding in Lightfall sounds pretty sick. Like, they're adding a whole new uh, element and, like, grappling, grappling hooks in Lightfall. Grappling hooks, yeah. Uh, they're adding, like... 
Sounds uh, sick. Like loadouts that you can save so that that part of the game, which is pretty great and has always been like really inscrutable and inaccessible, is finally going to be something that you can, you know, manage in game and not in some third party extension in a browser I'm, window. I'm so out um, of the loop. Are these expansions still the kind of thing where you uh, like you buy them in chunks? Like- yeah. So it's a, basically the 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 schedule that Destiny is on. Destiny Two is on now is. Uh, there's an annual big expansion. The last one was the Witch Queen, which came out uh, last February. Uh, and then there's uh, four sort of quarterly seasons. Um, so I played Witch Queen and really liked it, but then I stopped. I didn't play really any of the other seasonal content. There's like two raids that they added that I didn't just didn't fuck with. Uh, they brought back the King's Fall raid from Destiny 1, which I would be curious if I could do that just from sort of fucking muscle memory. Um, and I didn't do any of that. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I loaded it up the other day and I had like an exotic just waiting for me because uh, I owned a previous season and just messing around with that and uh, messing around with the way they've changed all of the subclasses so that you can like fully customize them uh, in any way that you want. Uh, I, I, I like it, man. Uh, I anticipate I will probably do exactly what I did with Witch Queen, which is when Lightfall comes out next week. That's the name of the new expansion. You know, I'll play it and pound through that storyline and have some fun with the new content, and then I would be shocked if I got as deep into it as I have gotten into Destiny 2 in the past. But Yeah, maybe that's the approach, is just like treat it like a six-hour campaign, yeah, like man. single part campaign. Yeah, it works for me, and you still get that dopamine hit anytime you get like a... Well, what, what on God's green earth? Was that fucking Psycho Mantis? Let's dust in... Are you doing some goofums with the soundboard? I'm not trying to. <laughs> I don't know why you guys heard that. Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, that is psychomatic. <laughs> yeah. That's, I forgot I had that button. That's a funny one. Next time I press that, it's going to be intentional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are my two uh, things. Oh, and I, uh, oh no, we haven't finished Physical 100 yet, but I'm still watching that. Almost show. there. It's fucking great. Justin? Uh, I got, they really, if you remember uh, me talking uh, about Not For Broadcast, it was an FMV uh, game, a really, really good one um, that is now, it has now gotten a VR uh, release. If you don't know or you don't remember, it's a, it's a game where you are manning a control booth for a television studio that's doing live broadcasts um, and you are in the background sort of, uh, you're being controlled by a hierarchical, like tyrannical governments. You're basically trying to push out propaganda. Um, and uh, what starts out as pretty basic stuff, like switching between camera shots to to make the broadcast good, or uh, bleeping the occasional curse word, um, eventually uh, expands to wild stuff like certain buttons will get uh, 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 an electric short that shocks you if you press them or you have to blow cool air on something that's overheating or you have to pull tapes for ads to play and you're getting like these dictates over time that are like, you know, censor this, cut away from this, don't show this and you're having to make choices on the fly. Um, But it's all really, uh, all the broadcast stuff is really funny and well shot. and in VR, it's like, it's very, you know, I was about to say it's immersive, but that's kind of obvious. But it is very, like, 
you you feel sucked into the moment uh, a lot more. And again, that already requires a lot of attention. It's like it, uh, it's hard to not feel sort of uh, swept up by it. But it's called Not for Broadcast. And you uh, played and, it what on a Quest or yeah, Quest Two? Yeah. And Quest if you if you never play if you haven't played it before, it's a really interesting one. I would not file this way with a lot of the other FMV cruft that I bring before you like a cat lopping a dead bird on its owner's feet. Uh, this is a, a an actual good one. I appreciate your honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing, I talked about it, Metroid Prime Remastered. I'm playing, I'm pretty far into it. Um, it's fucking great, man. I don't know. It's so good. I play it with headphones, the sound and the music and the, uh, yeah, the audio design overall is just so fucking good. And, I just find it very satisfying and and uh, exactly what I'm looking for from a Metroid game, which is like basically zero dialogue, but all atmosphere. And there's just so much atmosphere in this game. It's fucking sick. I would also recommend the Psychonauts 2 documentary, which is now fully out. It is, wait for it, 32 parts. Jeez. on youtube i've heard great things i've not is, into it yet but if you are remotely interested in the process of game development specifically game development at this scale so figure a team of like probably a hundred people somewhere on there um it is uh very illuminating in terms of basically every process from level design to art design to how you pitch a game to publishers and get it sold to various pitfalls that come out of game development. Uh, I didn't actually watch the Double Fine Adventure, which was the first uh, documentary that they did. But having played through all of Psychonauts 2 and now watching this, just really fascinating context. And uh, what, I could Would I find it fascinating if I did not play much of or enjoy I think you would, yes. but there's probably a lot that I think I find more interesting because I know the end result. So like right. when I'm hearing them debate, oh, should we do this or this? I know what the end result was. So it, it kind of adds another level to it. That, but, that That's gravy. But I think if you've ever worked in any creative job, like collaborative job, like Griffin, just working on the site, you are going to have a lot of emotions <laughs> like I, I i find that like not bad but i i don't know kind of like ptsd at times watching this of oh yeah i remember working in that era i remember that philosophy like i remember how crunch w- there, there's a, a warning before every episode that's like hey bear with these people like these are people figuring things out in real time and culture is changing and they are changing and their beliefs are different now than they were then and uh, glad it's there because, yeah, the, the the way that the first episode talks about crunch for the original Psychonauts, there's a lot of, you know, bad, but there's all, almost everybody involved is like, I, those were the best days of my life. Right. Um, and it's wild. I, I watched the first two episodes and there was like a very late episode that I, I watched a bit of just because I wanted to see a specific detail in transporting myself from that culture to the like very very modern buttoned up um i i think healthy culture it it was like a shock of yeah wow these are just two totally different companies two totally different worlds um yeah it's it's really fantastic i'm really glad fresh mentioned it to me the other day and i'm i'm really glad that i prioritized it because it's it's something special who made who made it there it's the same team that made the documentary on um 
the it was called the Double Find Adventure. And uh, so the team that made it is called Two Player Productions, and they basically just embedded with the Psychonauts development team for fucking seven years or something. It was just like it's an astounding range. Um, and they you must just be see part e- of the company, right? They must do like other stuff for the company. Yeah, I think they. I think that's right because Which there's is- really no way you could fund this if they were an ex- uh, external um, entity. It, it, which is bonkers too, because I mean, credit to Tim Schafer here and and all of, I mean, everyone involved, because this thing does not pull punches. I mean, the stuff that they're showing, I, I am shocked. Basically, it feels like the only thing that you're not seeing is stuff that is like truly HR. Like it would be, it would raise some legal flags if if this stuff was included. But otherwise, like the access is incredible and and allows people to not always look good um really at all uh it's it's i can't i can't believe it exists yeah it's excellent um i i i've been playing atomic art i don't i don't have anything else cool well we did it uh, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on apple podcasts we have b churns Tamarin Tales and Captain Dana. Thank you so much for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone else who has written reviews or talked about the show or shared it or done fun fan art of me making eggs. That's always appreciated. We love it and we love you guys. Plant, recap what we talked about. Uh, we talked about Metal Gear uh, Ghost, Ghost Babble or Metal Gear Solid for Game Boy Color, depending on you know how you like to frame things. We talked about Atomic Heart. And then we talked about all the other stuff that we're playing. I don't have the document in front of me right now. I'm sorry. We also talked about Metro Prime Remaster, the Psychonauts 2 documentary, which is on YouTube, uh, Not For Broadcast VR, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Destiny 2, and Physical 100 very briefly. Love it. Love it. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. What are we doing next week? Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. God, this game looks fun. Yeah, man. Does look cool. Wait. Uh, it's going to be a great time, and I hope you will be there to for it. Um, and be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.